Hello. I don't do anything by way of introduction, so as most people do with their podcasts and and uh, channels, um, I don't care about that. You either like it or you don't. If you don't, move on. If you like it, then stick around. Anyway, I wanted to talk about um, a phenomena that um, I've discussed in brief before, but it's something that's very problematic and very telling as to the time we're living in. So if you haven't gathered by now, I'm a, I'm a pre-modern. I, I don't agree with anything in <clears throat> modern society, uh, particularly postmodern society, which is what started to develop after the 1950s in the West, in America and in, in Western Europe. So we live in a postmodern age, a post-truth age, a post-God age, um, <clears throat> post-thinking age. And as a student of history, I've always <clears throat> wanted to live certainly prior to this time, but even prior to the modern age, because a lot of the modernism, mo- the modern period began roughly, you could say, in the 18th century, 19th century. And even though times were simpler back then, and a lot less degenerated, you still have some of the the seeds of the elements of, of modernism that have come into many facets of society, whether it be learning, religion, government, cultural groupthink, things like this. But as we're now in the third decade of the 21st century, one of the worst centuries by far, Um, in terms of actual human flourishing, human development, uh, the development of the mind, the spirit, the the pathos or the emotions of of man uh, in a healthy, beneficial way for society, we see the opposite happening. And it's a direct result of postmodern thought uh, put into practice. And so what, what what is the root of all of this? It's that within modern thought, Philosophers have always uh, elucidated on this very topic. When it comes to modern and certainly postmodern thought, which we've been in since the 1960s, uh, is this idea of essence and being, and that in the moderns, modern man's mind, one precedes the other. So according to modernism, essence precedes being. And I'm not speaking in a spiritual sense, in a theistic Christian framework here. Obviously, we're all made in the image of God. And so, therefore, that is our essence, the root of who we are. But striking that off the books for right now, what I'm simply describing is this. That when a person is born into modern society, uh, it's no longer that that, be- that is who they are. That is their being. They are a boy or a girl, they're born into a certain family, ethnically, racially, um, those things are suppo- now off the table. And so, if your essence precedes your being, in the case of postmodernism and modern thought, then you can reinvent the wheel, you can make yourself to be any fashion of, of stupidity or degenerate uh, personality you'd like, and call it good, and it fits. It doesn't even matter that it doesn't conform to reality, to truth. Uh, All that matters is intrinsically 
how you feel. And that's the elevation, you know, and every and every time in history the, the destruction of a society was when the people the people's emotions overtook uh critical thinking and their ability to reason on issues of paramount importance. So if your essence comes before your being, then you can then everything is is allowed and permitted. But if being comes before essence, which it in reality does, then there are limitations, there's a standard, and there's a framework by which you must operate within. So, but that has been uh, repudiated these last six decades, maybe longer. Postmodern thought really started to begin, begin, begin in earnest in the late 1960s to now our present day, to where most, most philosophers and social critics don't even call it postmodernism any longer. It's just post-truth. It's awash in relativistic uh, ideology. But what are the markers, what are the identifying features of living in such a society? Well, you have to be initiated into it, right? So this is why people like myself are and always will be on the margins, will be an outlier, because I can't, I can never mesh within that society because I know it to be, uh, I know it to be exceedingly false, exceedingly stupid, and anyone who subscribes to it is wrong in, in everything they do, in most of what they know, and very, very ignorant. But I wouldn't say entirely ignorant. They might know a few things, but they know a very they know few things uh, wrongly. Okay, but there are identifying features to this. The person will will um, you know be highly narcissistic, and you know I used to pit the world against America, that this was an American phenomenon. Um, but it's actually a global phenomenon. It doesn't matter where you go. The only difference is, if you went to a third world country, it would be in, it would be in less degree than it is in a first world nation, in a developed nation, um, to where tradition is shunned, uh, values, truth don't even truly exist any longer in Western societies and in, in developed societies. Third world, you have to look for it a little bit more, but it still exists. So my attack isn't even so much anymore first world versus third world and I, how I prefer the third world. My attack now is modern versus pre-modern societies. And that I do believe pre-modern societies got things right and our modern and post-modern societies are in extreme danger and error, and it's nothing but a degenerative rot. That's all today's society is. So these are the features, narcissism, um, a, a consumption of goods and self above anything else. I mean, just look at, the, look at the smart technology. Never before have people had so much to actually say, but are saying actually very little to next to nothing. It's the most, it has created the most narcissistic generations Probably, you, you could back it up to the baby boom generation who were born in the 40s and 50s and early 60s to every generation uh, following them, succeeding them. And how most of, some of these generations have lived under the tutelage of this technology all their life. They know nothing else. Unlike me, I grew up without this kind of technology you went and you played outside, you developed interpersonal skills, relationships with people, friendships, 
and they weren't determined based upon the technology, which is what they are today. So when I say an all-consuming power, uh, the quality of it is it's very consuming to the individual's mind. Uh, the, the, the mutual love they have for technology, that it's, it's a blessing, not a curse. It can never, ever go wrong. Or if it can, you know, we can tame it. Um, that's one aspect of this. The entitlement or privilege. And then this instantaneous idea, the expectation in today's world is uh, of, for instantaneous results. I'm giving a, a, an action, and so therefore I must get immediate results, otherwise I'm going to scream and kick like, like a child, like a two-year-old, because I'm not getting my way. And I haven't understood what it means to, as a principle to delay gratification, to not act on impulse, to not make rash decisions, those attributes are not taught to people these days. If they are, it's in, my, it's in the minority. It's not in a majority fashion. You know, and so everything that attends to entitlement, narcissism, uh, an all-consuming uh, draw with the technology, with self, with uh, prestige, with notoriety... That goes with it. I mean, just look, almost one out of two people I see have tattoos, and so that's part of that phenomena as well. I don't care if you have them. I mean, I do care. I think it's stupid to get them. If you have them and you're offended, I don't care. Go write your congressman. The problem here is it's the idea of needing to put yourself on display because that's essentially what is going on. And then it all goes back to essence and being. Everything goes back to this and how we truly were created in the image of God. But all of these outworkings, all of these behaviors uh, that we're seeing, that you see in society today, are a direct result, of course, of the thinking. The thinking that is so erroneous, that is so flawed, that it can produce nothing but what we see. Nothing but what we see. Uh, you don't have people that cogitate and think deeply on issues of grave importance, life, death, ultimate reality, you know, destiny, purpose... Uh, morality, things like this. And if they do, they inject uh, a heavy dose of emotionalism into the conversation, which obviously doesn't help us get to any to, to, to anything regarding truth. It doesn't help us solve any problems in the world sphere or on a national level or even on a local level because, as I've always said, emotions are inconsistent and unreliable to act as a measuring stick for anything, for making decisions, evaluating truth claims, all that kind of stuff. And so what it ultimately will do is it pits one group against another. Uh, it always has, it always will. So then you have infighting, you have tribalism, which is where we're at today, especially in, in the United States. We have deep, deep tribalism, uh, where if you don't belong to my group, you're an enemy and vice versa. And I, but Maybe and maybe I'm guilty. Listen, I'm an honest person. Maybe I'm guilty of this myself. I say, well, I believe some ideas are very, very pernicious. I believe they're very, very uh, dangerous. And so they are, I am an enemy, and they are an enemy to me. So maybe, in a sense, it's unavoidable to get into that tribal mode where it's one group versus this, this is the in group, this is the out group and we don't mix. It's oil and water. 
that very well could be the case. That could be up for discussion. You guys can think about that yourselves, talk about that amongst yourselves. But I tell you one thing that has happened, and this is why I've basically um, distanced myself from all peoples, from all every group, because groupthink, much like mob rule and democracy, is not only contagious, because it is, you see a bunch of people acting like baboons and you want to act like them as well. It's, it's not just that. Groupthink produces only emotional results. That's all it can ever do. People in and of themselves, individuals, by themselves, they are okay. You get them together, you get more than one person together with another person then tribalism starts to set in. The most rudimentary sense of thinking starts to cease. This is what happens in mobs. Just look, look, look at any place in, human, in the world and within human history. How have mobs operated? They've always operated in direct contrast to critical thinking and reason and logic and rationale. Always. And that's why almost every group, unless they have a balance, unless they're able to actually balance such measures, they will all all of the time succumb to that type of behavior, mob rule. Individuals, you can set them aside, you can break them down, you can truly get into the framework of who they are on a spiritual level as well, an emotional level. But as you see within the animal kingdom itself, whenever you have the groups together, there's always going to be this kind of internecine fighting, this, this absolute control and, 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 and dominance over less um, dominant groups. That's what you always have. Perhaps that's part of human nature. So that's a catalog of the problem. That's a complete description of the problem that exists. Now, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but I don't know how well your guys' attention spans are. So, the solution, well, there ain't one, okay? To put it simply, there is not a solution, unless, unless you're able to reach the younger generations who are coming up into this world with critical thinking skills, with uh, values, tradition, uh, and truth objective truth. If you can reach the younger generation before the world gets them, before society gets them, before the mob rule gets them, um, then you have a chance of reversing the course that we're going down. But unless that happens, which I don't believe is going to happen, I, I don't see it because, I mean, unless it happens, we're doomed. So why is it not going to happen? Well, look at the schools, look at the school system. Look at the school districts in, in the United States, for, for an example. Uh, the brainwashing is so deep. It is so on point with uh, leftist ideology, with, with communist ideology, with uh, anti-God rhetoric, that it would take a whole, uh, a whole cleansing, a whole purging, in order to get these thoughts removed from their young fertile minds. I read a long time ago, I must have been a teenager when I read this, but it was in a book of psychology, how the 
the human mind, the, the adolescent's mind, around the age of 12, 13, 14, it starts to solidify. It's not completely solid. It doesn't completely become concrete. But the mind of a child is very, very impressionable. It's very malleable. You can, you can form it into whatever you want, like a lump of clay at around the age of 12, 13, 14. After that, the, the things that are in the mind and pre-adolescence and adolescence stay within that mind for life. Now we're talking about their belief system, their values, um, <clears throat> their ability to discern uh, right from wrong, their conscience. That everyone has a conscience, yes, but at around that age, which is the age that the schools are indoctrinating kids, at least in my country, in the U.S., that's when they are giving them all of these pernicious ideas with no backdrop, first of all, and no counter. There's no counter-argument. Uh, the, because it's all about propaganda. They have an agenda to complete, and devil be damned, they're going to do it no matter what. So then you have uh, complete one, two, three, perhaps four generations of young people being brought up in the world, going to school, getting out of school, entering the workforce or whatever, and totally indoctrinated with ideas that are so antithetical to, to history to, to the human condition, to the human experience, um, to family, and to truth in general. So how do you work that out of them? You, you can't. Unless you can start some, some civilization somewhere with as much influence and power as the West has and give the younger generations the ability or give them the, the give them true teaching, give them the ability to, to think and navigate and maneuver through various ideologies so that they can determine for themselves. This is what most people don't understand about what, I, what my presentation is about. Yes, I, I am bothered when people want to willfully go with lies versus truth. There are things that are true, there are things that are false. That's just the way life is. However, if a person does their due diligence and surveys the landscape and they come about their conclusions based upon their own uh, research, deductive and inductive research, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking true, true research, I have no problem with that person having an opposing view than me. I truly don't. At least they came to it through honest, uh, intelligent research, hopefully. And so, not everybody's going to come to the same conclusions. And that's what makes the West, um, Western civilization, so powerful and, and so great, is because it allows for human liberty, for individual autonomy, to make your own decisions based upon what you believe is the best evidence. If some people have done that, then great. But the kids that are being brought up today, they're not given an opportunity to challenge the, the narrative that is being forced down their throats every day.
They're not given the opportunity to challenge that, much less do they have the, the mental acumen to determine if this is even true or false. You know, and I, you guys, if you know anything about the social uh, fabric of what's going on today in, in, in the West in particular, you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to spell it out. It's all of these leftist, you know, uh, factious ideologies, whether it's, you know, the, the faggot agenda, whether it's everything is racist because you're white and you're privileged, whether it's the idea of borders and citizenship don't need to exist, um, you know, no God, the atheistic substrate for everything. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. They're never given the opposing view. If they are given the opposing view, then it's possible that that student himself will be castigated for even bringing it up. So that's not a free society. It's a sick and deranged society, which is where we live. This is absolutely where we live. So, again, I don't have a problem with a person, an individual. Now, groups, mobs, I don't talk to. I don't deal with. I, have, I, don't, want, I don't want anything to do with them. Individuals, I can deal with. If an individual comes to a conclusion based upon evidence, based upon proofs, and the conclusion is different from what I drew, I can accept that. I disagree with them, but I can accept that. And eventually, I mean, if, and if they're that, if they've come to it based upon that, then they would be open to having a discussion, and possibly a formal or informal debate. That's how I always know when somebody is honest. They come to their reasons honestly, as opposed to dishonestly or just based on emotions, when, and only when, they're able to have a discussion with an, with an opposing voice. When they're able to have a discussion with an opposing voice, it proves to me, hey, they're somewhat reasonable, even though they believe such inane, stupid ideologies, they are a little bit reason. they are reasonable. And so, but this, and you're never going to get every, everybody in the world to agree with you. That's impossible, and it's not even right. People are allowed to have opposing views. All I'm saying is I just wish people would come to those views based upon true research and with an intelligence that speaks of critical thinking, deductive reasoning over emotionalism. That's all. Because you cannot reason, you cannot argue with a person who uses emotion for everything. And nine times out of ten, people I meet in society, that's what they do. That is how they come to their conclusions. It's all based on pure emotion. Just as a side note, in the philosophical sense, I want to bring up two ideas, because people offer these up all the time, proof and evidence. Proof and evidence. So real quick, I just want to state uh, proof and evidence are, are different. They work they work simultaneously, but they do have distinctions, uh, and it's very simple. So, uh, evidence comes first, proof comes second. Proof is stronger. Evidence is just data, facts, information that can be submitted or used for or against an argument. Uh, proof is the, the sum total the totality of all of those uh, facts, all of those, all of those evidences together combined. That's what, that's what proof is. So, I may have mis uh, misspoke 
on these words at times. But when I say, I, I do, they, they can be used um, almost synonymously. But there is a difference, evidence and proof. Um, evidence is less, proof is stronger, is, is more. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. In, in, in a free society, which is a, a society that I wish to live in, you cannot have things the way they're going, the way they've been going the last half century, over a half century. Um, if, on an individual basis, if truth is the highest value one can ever achieve, and it is, it's philosophically and theologically sound that is true. Truth is the highest value anyone can ever achieve. Then, as it concerns the collective, as it concerns uh, human society, human civilization, what is the highest value that can ever be achieved? And the answer is simply this, human freedom and human liberty, which are two different things. I don't have time to go into that right now. Liberty and freedom are also kind of synonymous terms, but they do mean different things, especially in the sense of government and in the sense of society. So human freedom and human liberty are the two highest values in any, in any given society. And to add a caveat into that, uh, both of those two elements need to be juxtaposed with. They have to be uh, put alongside uh, responsibility. Responsibility. So the human freedom, human liberty with responsibility makes for a optimum society that leads to flourishing, that leads to prosperity, that leads to, you know, people that use their brains more than their hearts, right? This is This is what happens because... You don't want your freedom and your liberty if you're a responsible citizen. You don't want it to be taken. You don't want it to be uh, pushed off to the margins. So you're then going to perform in such a way to where that doesn't happen, which requires you to think more. It requires you to use your emotions less, and it requires you to use your intelligence more, to be creative, to be inventive. Because there's always going to be elements of society that are going to try and rob you of your freedom and your liberty. Whether it's big government, like what we have in America, big corporations, whether it, it could be any entity from, from here to the moon that try to steal your freedom and your liberty from you. And so it's your due diligence to be watchful and mindful of those things. But we're not that way any longer. It's dead. It's over. The experiment in human freedom and human autonomy is dead and over. And it seems to me, because we live in this zombie land in America, and everyone seems to be A-OK and fine with it, which <laughs> I, I'm so, it's so uh, stupid to me. I'm so angry about it. But everyone seems to be fine with it because two things, and since the, the, the fake pandemic, that th this has kind of exacerbated this phenomenon, but there are two things that have happened uh, certainly within the last two years, but it's been going on longer than that, that have made people say, forget about freedom and, and liberty. We need to focus more on these two issues, social justice and then safety and health, <laughs> neither of which are a problem in Western society. We're not living in Zimbabwe. We're not living in Myanmar or Bangladesh to where these things are a real threat and a real problem.
But in America, they're not a real threat and they're not a real problem. They're invented. And how could social justice, this idea, arise in such a society that is is near perfect? I know we've had some mistakes in our past, but what society has not, there isn't one. But there's never been a society, i.e. the American system, American society, that has so eradicated our past wrongs and as quickly as we did as a nation than any other place on earth. So I think that because of this, the, the, the conception in the Western person's mind and the American person's mind is this. Uh, being good rather than divine is unacceptable. You know, we are to be... Have, we're to be like God, right? So we're already a good nation, but we're not. that's not acceptable to most people. The more a population of people is freed from worries about its elemental safety and sustenance, the more it focuses on these invented boogeymen, these invented problems, which is where we're at. I mean, the West has a long history of providing material bounty and personal freedom. But with that comes the idea that it's 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 wanting to uh, achieve perfection and you can't achieve perfection it's not possible this side of heaven when jesus christ comes and sets his foot in jerusalem to establish establish his kingdom on earth that's when perfection will be here but not even true perfection at that point true perfection is heaven anyway not to get religious however that's that's the idea in the mind of these people that because of past sins, supposed past sins, um, being good in this country is not enough. You you have to you have to turn everything over, and um, let's be honest. I mean, Americans aren't worried on a daily basis about their about food, <laughs> about their sustenance, about their safety. Not really, not really. Uh, unless you live in, in in you know in inner city, you know. Um, ghetto or what have you then maybe you you would be but that's you know that's what blacks are doing to each other so my point is this we have we're not at the point of trying to survive i believe the west and in america it's going to get to that point because the elites want it to and the suicide of america is happening on a daily basis because people just can't see clearly and we don't have a shared commonwealth of values any longer. How do we? When half the... I mean, it's always there's always been this divide in a political sense and this fragmentation in a political sense and in a somewhat social sense. But we have mostly agreed over the course of American history uh, on what those values are. Nowadays, at least definitely within the last 10 to 15 years, you can't... You, you can't even say you have any shared values with 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 anybody these days it's a very very troubling time we're living in but as with every society just look at the french revolution how did the french revolution start it was a it was a it was a stupid idea they were trying to take from the american revolution which preceded the french revolution by 13 years 14 years and they were trying to do that to get rid of the French crown, to get rid of the French monarchy. Okay, so were they successful? No. And as a matter of fact, ten years of the you know the reign of terror existed. I think from seventeen ninety one to seventeen ninety four, 
in, in earnest. And But the French Revolution really was a decade long, about 10 years. Okay, so what did it accomplish? Nothing. And then the Bonapartist regime, the Napoleon Bonaparte came to power in the early 19th century, around 1800, 1801. And... He was, in a, he was a dictator. He was no different than King Louis XVI in, in France at that time. So they succeeded in absolute, absolutely nothing. And to be true, I don't, I'm not big on French history that much in the 18th century, but from what I know, France wasn't at all that bad. was not as bad as, as the uh, Jacobins and, and people were saying, the revolutionaries were saying it was men like Robespierre, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and the like. So here we have a case of population, the mob, inventing problems or thinking that things are worse than they truly are. And then henceforth, they go and they create this mob rule and it it produces the seeds for uh, other would-be dictators to come to power. And that's what always happens. In any society that goes awry, you're going to have would-be dictators like termites coming out of the wood wood that you've broken open. They're going to be all over the place. And they're just looking, they're biding their time. They're looking for the right, they're opportunists to seize power. So, here in the West, we haven't had, um, we haven't had it rough. (laughs) We haven't had it bad for a long, long time here in the United States, truly. And so because of that, we're not fighting for survival, we're not fighting for food, we're not fighting, you know, in a a health sense. We're bored. I think we're truly bored, and and we we go and (coughs) we're just like a police officer in search of a crime. We must find a crime. We must find an injustice somewhere. This is where all all the shouts of, equity and equality ring out all over the place. They should ring ho- they should ring hollow. That they, they should not have any substance to them whatsoever because at no time in human history has there been such uh, equality and such equity as exists in the United States of America in 2022. That's just a fact. But it's a fact that people don't want to reckon with because as I just said a moment ago, we're not divine. We're not perfect. We're less than perfect, and that's not acceptable to a majority of people. Well, I've gone over time, I suppose, and I'll try and make another one in about, oh, nine months. Um, Just food for thought. If there's a way to leave comments for anything, I don't know how you do that. I just voice record these things, and I send them to to the person that uploads them. So, anyway, that's it.